Coming to you from Podcast Detroit, it's Heard, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Please take a second to subscribe on iTunes. And for future episode information and additional content, head over to HerdPodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at HerdPodcast. Welcome to Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Thank you for downloading and listening. I'm Joe Hakeem, and tonight I'm joined by Vato. Hey, what's up? Dave. Hey there. Jason. Hello. And our special guest, Chef Sarah Welch, formerly of Republic and Parks and Rec in Detroit. Hi, guys. A little later, we'll be talking to Sarah about her time at Republic, what it's like to be a female executive chef, and more. But first, Dave and Jason have been traveling. Did a little jaunt to New York and then one to Chicago. Let's talk about New York first. A little place called the Beard House. A little place called the uh, James Beard House. Yeah. Kind, what, of, kind of a big deal. What, what, what Small is, place, big deal. Tiny. Tiny place. place. Huge deal. Huge deal. So, okay. So what? first of all, how, how does one get chosen to cook at the Beard House? Well, this is a good question. I don't know. It seems very, uh, like to get a nominate. Well, so basically, so, uh, every year nominations come out for the James Beard Awards. And generally speaking, the regional, um, some of them, I, I don't exactly know. It seems like some of it is just kind of an aggregator of like, um, social media sites and things like Eater and whatever. And like the popular restaurants get nominations. I don't think that they, the Beard Foundation is specifically sending people out to, look at each property that gets nominated. Um, I think that if you, I think once you get nominated, then they probably send someone out to eat and drink at your establishment. Um, <clears throat> and that ends up, you know, getting you the win. Uh, so Wright and Company was nominated in 2015. Um, a few other restaurants, Maple Gray has gotten it a couple times. Katoy got it last year. Um, Selden got it. I don't know if Republic got it. We never got it. Never got we it. We didn't get it. Boned out of that one. <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a weird thing, right? I mean, it's I think it's it I think it's very political. Um, and then so once you get nominated, they sort of give you, extend extend to you the offer to go there and pay for everything and cook for a bunch of people and not make any money. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, pay for everything, meaning you you pay for the food you bring to feed people. Uh, we, we flew. Eight people out, put them up in hotels, shipped out enough food for 70 people and enough booze and fed them and uh, closed the restaurant for a day. So realistically, it probably cost us like $20,000. Um, wow. So it's and, and I mean, the place was packed and it's packed with, you know, members of the James Beard Foundation. And so do they charge for tickets for the. Day? Oh, yeah. They, they charge one hundred and eighty dollars a person. Do the proceeds go to you? No. <laughs> <laughs> they do not. I know. I know. Uh, but, you know, I mean, again, it's like, I'll put it this way. The rec the, the recognition is really important. It's important to the restaurant. I think it's important to the city as well. So um, th this is a continuing thing that Jason and I are always talking about is like trying to 
trying to raise the awareness of Detroit um, on a national level and an international level in a sense, but really on a national level, like trying to be like, yeah, we, we can fuck shit up here as well. Um, and so it was important to us to do that. And, and it obviously helps with the credibility of the restaurant. So, so you said, um, you mentioned you were nominated in 2015. So th- there's a series. Of, so it's, it's a, there's a preliminary nomination and then there's finalists, right? So, um, well, there's a, there's a nomination. So there are all these different categories. So there's like, you know, best chef, best restaurant, best, best SOM, best beverage program, um, all kinds of stuff. And, and it's regional as well. So, um, uh, right company, Mark, was it Mark or was it? It was Mark. It was Mark. So Mark was nominated as best chef along with Andy holiday and James Regato, uh, best chef, great lakes region in that same group were like half a dozen guys from Chicago. And like, obviously one of the guys from Chicago won. Okay, so so there's and and Chicago being a huge market, like there's no who else is in the region aside from Michigan, Illinois. I can't remember. I think it's is I think Cleveland Cle- and okay. not not Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh's on the east. Um, so I think it goes to Cleveland, maybe Indy, but I don't think that Indy got any. So was it essentially Toledo? Toledo's well, right. the food scene in Toledo. <laughs> man, that Quiznos down there is fucking nuts. T- Tony Paco's guys. Oh my god, Tony, Tony Paco's pickles and peppers, <laughs> sweet hats. So, so basically, uh, at this point in time, and you, even going by this year's nominations and finalists, uh, it's basically Chicago's category, right? Like it's well, the I mean, the Midwest or the Great Lakes region is Chicago's category. I don't. I I stick to the. I've said this for a while, but I I stick to the belief that. Um, Chicago restaurant tours, Chicago, like there are more places per capita in San Francisco than there are in Chicago, um, probably by a long shot, like one, like one restaurant for every 30 people, but they're not all like really fancy and well-built and all this shit. Chicago is like home of the $4 million restaurant. Like every restaurant is magnificent and open for two years. I mean, it's fucking insane. Um, and I think they just spend so much money on their restaurants and they, they have these phenomenal employees and, you know, really cutting edge, you know, people. So I believe that Chicago is, is one of the most important food cities in, in the city or in in the country. Um, I think probably the most significant even beyond New York. Like again, New York, you get the small places that are doing crazy shit, you know, like the mission Chinese and, you know, things like that. But, uh, even though that was from San Francisco, but anyway, um, I lost my train of thought. No, I think that Chicago is just do, you know, to be competitive in Chicago, you've really got to bring it and you got to spend a lot of money, make a beautiful place and have a kick-ass program. Um, And I think that Detroit is too young of a scene to really try to compete with Chicago. I think that we can, we can fuck with Cleveland, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, maybe, but I don't, I don't, you know, we're not, we're not on the Chicago level yet. And what, what will bring us to that level? Just more momentum. I mean, everything that we're doing, all of us in this room, except for you. <laughs> I think we need. I think <laughs> just kidding. I think we need walkable neighborhoods. Well, that would that would definitely help. Yeah, I mean, we need we need more density. We need uh, we need more housing. Um, I mean, there there are larger you know socioeconomic issues that we we could address and talk about. But it's not not everything out. has can be a destination, and that's a lot. And of hopefully it won't are, be. You know. Hopefully it won't be for very long. You know, hopefully we start to see some infill of some of these vacant, you know, blocks and, and uh, you know, 
but yeah, I mean, that's what it is. Like, we, you know, we're on the cusp of a really cool young scene and I think it's going to continue. And hopefully in 15 years we're, you know, we're going to be like, you know, it's not going to be the brain, you know, the brain drain is starting to go away where we've got talented people sort of coming back at least a little bit. Um, I think that, you know, hopefully people will be like, yeah, Detroit is the place to be, you know. So so what's the beard kitchen like? Is it? Uh, oh, this room, but half. It's pretty it's small. Tiny. Wow. Yeah. It's a weird, it's a weird experience. It's, it's, it's quite literally a house in Manhattan that hasn't been ripped down. It's like that movie Up where the, all the buildings are around that house. Yeah. 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 It's, I mean, it's like that. It's, it's wild. It's just like brown. They're just like brownstones, right? Yeah. I mean, like, it's just a door. It's just a door with a, with like a light above it. And you're like, oh, this is the James Reed house. And you walk in and there's really, like you said, it's a very small kitchen. And then you go up, uh, there's like a reception area behind that, which is really small. And you walk upstairs to the dining area, which is really small. It's definitely packed in there. Um, yeah. Were you able to, uh, preview the space before you went out there? Nope. Nope, we just we just showed up. Actually, our uh, our uh, chef de cuisine Dan's father, uh, Skip, graciously drove out there and and brought all of our food out there, mm-hmm. which was really cool. But I mean, it was like a huge production for us to do it. What, what did you serve? What did Mark serve? I can't remember. <laughs> no, uh, I can. I was. It was it was a bit of a trip. Uh, it's yeah. New York strip mussels, the, yeah, mussels strip croquettes. Some, yeah, uh, the, the, we'll post the menu on the website. Shit, cool. Yeah, let's, along with let's links to this. some of the pictures. Yeah, and then what is a little? Uh, I was a little drunk, as it were. What about the rest of the trip? Was it? Uh, it had to be a whirlwind, right? Uh, no, we pretty much just uh, just stayed at home and chilled out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Just I know like we you guys. I, do. I mean, as you yeah. guys, there are, there whirlwind are, is a good way to. There are eight of us. There were yeah. eight of us, and uh, if you've ever met John Trask, who's our director of operations, who's a very like proper dude, he was wasted at ten in the morning before the flight, <laughs> yes. and that pretty much set the tone for the entire trip. Uh, it's like if John can do it, we can all do it. Like the only one that I I tried not to be a total dickhead around is John, and John was just wasted. And I'm just like, all right. <laughs> All bets great. are off. It was a lot of fun. It was a good team building exercise. New York is great. It's great to go there. It's intense. It's got a fast pace. I mean, we were checking into the hotel, which is this, the Walker Hotel. It was pretty cool. Pretty cool little boutique hotel in Greenwich Village there. And like there's eight of us checking in and there's a guy standing to the right of me and he was complaining about how he was supposed to get a room with the view of the street. And he was, uh, he had actually gotten a room with a view of the alley. And so he wanted to get the room with the street view. And the lady was explaining to him that, well, you know, the room that he was in was um, like an upper tier room. It was 225 square feet. And if they moved him to a room with a view of the uh, street, it would be 200 square feet. And so he'd be downgraded. I'm like 200 square feet. That's amazing. So we get to our room and it's like, 200 square feet yeah like, i mean it was, <laughs> it was like this room with a bed yeah <laughs> we're like yeah i mean we actually had separate fortunately two beds yeah. but i mean it was like oh my god it yeah. was, everything in new york is tiny tiny bathrooms tiny hallways like it's crazy yeah so weird but it was fun it was a good yeah, experience so, so uh going out going along with the james beard uh theme uh dave you went to alinea uh couple nights ago yeah i went on sunday night a friend of mine bought me um took me there as a birthday it's a nice present. friend very nice very nice friend uh, so um, what, what what was that like linea is like the like uh it, it's like uh 
the, the high points of uh, American dining. Yeah, yeah I mean, ar- arguably, it's one of the it's one of the the best or hardest to get into restaurants in the featured in the on Netflix's Chef's Table, yeah, which Chef's is Table. Yeah. one of the series responsible for elevating in people's minds, you know, culinary cuisine. Yeah, to a it's. To a, I mean, Alinea has been like the fucking shit for ten years. I mean, it's. I think he's been open for ten years. They closed. They renovated. And uh, they recently reopened. It was beyond a meal. I'll say that it was. It was an experience. Um, I, 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 I mean, I'm still kind of like reeling over it. And I mean, obviously, if it's, you know, it's impossible to get into the reservation sellout in a series of minutes. It was only because we dropped a series of names that we were able to get a fucking reservation, which was just obnoxious. But um, I mean, I get it. It's like it's it's crazy impressive and. Uh, it's just. I mean, they're not manufacturing demand. Their reservations sell out, so it's like, yeah, you know, people want to go there, and it's worth it. I mean, if you're able to go, it's it's worth it. I mean, when you say sell out, do you have to pay for reservations on top of the meal? You buy your tickets in advance, which okay. includes um, gratuity, and then uh, tax and gratuity, and then um, you you pick a sort of a wine pairing as well, or uh, you know, they they have a wine list there if you don't want to go with a pairing. Um, but yeah, pretty much everything is prepaid. And I looked at uh, some of their Facebook things. They have different rooms that uh, you choose from. Is so, that so it, I'm not exactly sure how it works. I know that in the kitchen, there's there's sort of a chef's table in the back that I think if you're a party of six, you can reserve this chef's table that is sort of sold out like a year in advance. It's re- really difficult to get. Um, I went with my friend and there were two of us and uh, we showed up and um, we sort of, we had 930 reservations on a Sunday night. And uh, they sort of held us in this front room along with uh, half a dozen other people. And then they sat us at this big, huge, this huge communal table that was like 20 feet long. And there were about 20 people total at this communal table. And it was really weird. And there was like Philip Glass blaring and chandeliers. And it was just really weird. And and we're sitting there. And like in front of us, we sit down in front of us. There's a, there's a block, huge block of ice. With like five um, almost votive candles, not uh, votive holders, not different than what what you guys have in your hands. And in one of them is caviar, and one of them is lobster, and one of them is egg, and whatever. And they're like, your first course is in front of you, and they bring a champagne, and they're lovely, right? And they're like, your first course is in front of you, um, <clears throat> but don't eat it yet because we've got something special that's going to come out, and we're going to wait until everybody gets seated before you can start. So we're all sitting there and, and again, we're, you know, we made reservations for two people or had reservations for two people and, and there are like 20 people sitting at this big table and like a four top is split across this like six foot wide table and it's really awkward. And I mean, everybody in the room is like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Seriously, like what the fuck is going on? This is so weird. And then like the big thing that they bring out is uh toast. Well, brioche i mean nice toast but fucking toast right <laughs> and so we all kind of like eat our toast with our caviar and we're like wow this is a linea and and it's like so so then after about 40 minutes i mean you know we sit down we're waiting for everybody to get there they give a champagne you know we've got this stuff this ice block is melting all over the table like there's water all over the tablecloth it's so fucking weird and and like you can barely even talk to the person next to you because the music is so loud like Philip Glass, like intense contemporary symphony. I mean, it's fucking wild. And then they're like, okay, please stand up and follow us into the kitchen. So we go into the kitchen and there's this long table and uh, they have all these bowls set out and they're making, um, they're making croquettes, uh, Parmesan croquettes 
with aged Parmesan and black truffle and they're shaving walnuts, grating walnuts on top of it. And they're making this cocktail with like this German, this old German apparatus from like 1890. It's this crazy crank system. It's making all these drinks. And they serve us cocktail and these these croquettes and they're – I mean it's amazing. Everybody's like, wow, this is – you know, we're in the kitchen. We're everybody's taking pictures and like everybody's feeling a little bit more elated. And then they're like, okay, well, when you're ready, go back in and take your seat. So we walk back into the dining room and they've completely changed it. The, the communal <laughs> table is gone. The chandeliers are gone. They've made all of these intimate like two tops and four tops in the room. They totally transformed the room. Like I, I almost feel bad telling you this because if you go, you're going to be like you're going to you know you'll you'll have you'll have known, but it was such a surprise and it was so amazing and beautiful and like the, these beautiful tables and the whole thing it was just incredible, and so so I I, I was sort of talking to the the psalm at the end of the meal, and uh, I was like man that was such a great experience because everybody was so surprised at what happened, and he was like you know if you came into this room. You know, everybody's got these huge expectations about what Alinea is and what it should be. If you came into this room as it is now, you'd be like, yeah, this is what I expect. Beautiful room, right? But by forcing you guys to like have this communal experience, like it and then refresh it by, you know, sort of changing the dining room, it totally refreshes your or recalibrates your expectation. So it's almost like they gave us a bad experience in order to give to like reset what we're what we were going, you know what I mean? Like expecting. And then they just blew our minds. I mean, it, the meal was fucking phenomenal. Um, waiting, waiting for the Wonka boat to come out. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. It was like it, there was like a lot of um, um, techniques that like magicians use that are like, look over here while we put this here. I mean, I'm serious. It was wild. It was like they seriously put some like deep thought into every single thing they do beyond the culinary level. It was really amazing. It's interesting because actually, actually I didn't realize it until just now, but we actually, when we were in New York on uh, Sunday night, we went to Blue Hill restaurant in New York, which also was featured on chef's table. And um, the experience was totally different than that. I mean, it was great as far as like standard uh, dinner experiences go, but the idea of like restaurants reaching a certain caliber in terms of marketing, I guess, or, you know, we didn't really wake up the next day and feel like we had to spread the gospel of Blue Hill like you feel like a linear, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's just like at this point, they have to be so progressive. And that means beyond progressive food, beyond progressive plating, but a progressive experience. And what does that really mean? Like thinking about how you handle expectations of I'm about to eat in the greatest restaurant in the country, right? Like, how do you, ha how do you, how do you like negotiate around that? You know, it was, it's phenomenal. I mean, they're, they do an incredible job. So, B Blue Hill is uh bar, Dan yes, Barber's place. Dan okay. Bar yeah. So we ate at Blue Hill in, in um, Manhattan, not the farm. Which is a totally different experience, I imagine. Yeah. Mark, my partner, um, Chef Mark ate at the farm and yeah. Was very bona fide over it. Yeah, that's a linear effect. I think. I think so. It's too. almost like yeah, the the Manhattan location feels like a franchise. Almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Even though the Manhattan one is the original. Right. It just now because of the experience created elsewhere feels like a franchise. Yeah. So I think. Is, is there a logical progression here in Detroit that, <clears throat> that brings us a, a linear level restaurant that that um that that people will go to and and have the expectation? I mean. You know, like you're just saying, your expectations were 
were fucked with, right? Like, and, and you were okay with it, you know, because you deliver. Um, Detroit, Detroit dining seems to be very straightforward, right? Is, is there any sense that you know? Can we do a linea here, or something like well, that? Well, that's why I'd be curious what Sarah feels because is that does that start with a like a chef's vision? Is that like a business thing, like a linea? Like we're going to blow somebody's mind and create this whole thing is that is that like what a chef strives to do i think that like for us right now the focus should be on just filling out the roster i don't know if that makes sense but like you know you look at a city like chicago or a city like in new york and you're able to kind of like heighten experiences and take things to the next level because you've reached the prior level almost like a video game like we we have to like just get to ground level first Yeah. yeah and like do we have a really awesome noodle shop like, right. do we have a place where you can just get Szechuan Chinese, right? Like, right. not just, like, blanket Chinese food, but Szechuan Chinese. Do you have a spot that does all of these niche markets? And then once you reach these niche markets, you have educated your public to want more, right? We haven't done that yet. And so we haven't demanded that our consumer be educated enough to want an Alinea. And Alinea is only three hours away. So, like, the people that are educated, You're presumably. You're a fast driver. <laughs> <laughs> Three it's three hours. <laughs> I guess if you're flying. Yeah. yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> With my private tech. Yeah. Um, I feel like the people that are educated enough to know about Alinea are are willing to travel there. So we have sure. to not only create the base level here, but then we have to kind of almost one up Alinea because we're fighting against their reputation in the city of Detroit. So I've got some ideas. Five I th- years. I think <laughs> our, uh, close, five years. Our closest thing to that, uh, the, or at least before, was Torino with the prefects, right? Because that's all they had was the prefects. Yeah, I, I think Murray and I think Murray yeah. would be a more. I don't even feel like they're in the same ball. They're not. They're not. Know, at but I'm all. saying that they're not like, at all. Out of all the places, I mean, it, Lynn is a prefix meal, right? It's prefix, but it's again, it's not. It's so much more than just a meal. It's a museum experience. It is. It's like it's like going to a magic show where they feed you. <laughs> it should be held at the Fox if they do it they, in Detroit. I mean, it should real. not be in a restaurant. <laughs> but I'm saying we can't even get through like a a, a place that only has. You know, you Put go it in perspective, play. we don't have an omakase sushi place here. Right. Like, there are 27, 35, 40 omakase sushi places in New York City. We have not. There are one. fucking omakase cocktail bars Literally, in New York. Yeah, there yeah. are omakase like, food trucks. You drink what we tell you. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, so, like, we have so a long way to go. omakase, for everyone who doesn't Sorry. know, is? Uh, the chef basically feeds you a la carte sushi by the piece. Yeah. yeah. And you're just putting your trust in and it's much different than you, you don't you don't see the menu. Like you just, just right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just stick your tongue out in the chef. It is the epitome less, of a tasting his, menu. You taste yeah. only he, what he the chef wants. He chews the food up and spits it in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> or is that is am I the only one that has baby that? birds <laughs> you? <laughs> I go to weird places though. I, don't <laughs> I think that I think that uh yeah, but I think that that um you know Sarah's right that we just don't we're not ready to have we, we're not ready for an Alinea because we don't even have the basics covered. And we're getting there. And, you know, we're like the, the city's filling out, you know, like we've talked about how many places are opening. But we need to have the basics covered. And then, you know, in Chicago, they've got a million awesome places and people that are willing to spend a fucking ton of money on a place like Alinea or Schwa or Moto or all of these incredible restaurants that were along that same vein. Uh, even next door to Linea is Boca, and that's – I mean that's on a similar level. Yeah. They have a Michelin star too, I think. Like, I don't know if they do. It was a beautiful – we stopped in Boca. It was a beautiful place. Yeah. I mean right next – literally next, next door. Next door, yeah. yeah. That's the Joe Bar to Mabel Gray. Yeah. Boca. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you I mean, trickle down as a Michelin star restaurant, you know you're doing it right. Yeah, for sure. So they have $5 Manhattan? Yeah. <laughs> no, they have oh, $15. Wrong analogy. Oh. Sorry, sorry, sorry. 
I'm heading to Chicago tomorrow. So I was like, yes. Destination yeah. spot. I did Grace in Chicago by myself. And, you know, I, I have not been to Alinea, but the experience was more than just a meal. And I think that that speaks to what Detroit is not quite ready yet. You know, for I think we need food. We need good food first before we provide food related experiences. I agree. So. Yeah. I mean, in, in a sense, like not to keep dwelling on this, but in a sense, a little bit like that's where we've gone with bad luck, right? Like we've gotten to the point where like people dig drinks, people dig cocktails. Now we can kind of get weirder with it. And and that's like a little toe in the water. But food is so much harder to do. Like food is so much harder. And, and it's just much more difficult being a chef. And that's why I don't cook. <laughs> Same. I mean, it's it's a huge investment too. Like, there's, oh yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying bad luck wasn't an investment, but the the to operate a kitchen. I mean, I can only imagine what the Alinea kitchen looks like. There were more employees in the restaurant than there were customers. Like probably two to one. Yeah, by a huge margin. Yeah, I think there were 20 customers in the room and 40 people working. I mean, it was uh, insane. Yeah, Eleven Madison is that way too. I mean, you have what three attendants for your table of two. Yeah. Cam and I had three attendants. That's amazing. It's crazy. All right, we're going to take a break and we'll be back. Talk to Sarah about uh, her life at Republic and what's the future holds. And we're back. Uh, I like that. You hear the herd. So the the sound of uh, that cork is... A lovely bottle of Four Roses single barrel private selection bourbon. Uh, explain, Dave, why this is a special bottle of bourbon. Well, Four Roses is a phenomenal distillery in Kentucky, and uh, we are fortunate uh, enough to uh, go down there about once a year and pick a barrel of whiskey from them. Jason and I went along with a couple of our other guys. And, and so what that means is they roll out a dozen barrels of uh, whiskey and we taste through each one and talk about each one and pick which one we want. And then they take that barrel and they put all of the contents of that barrel into bottles and send those bottles to us. So how, Jason, how many bottles did we get of this? 84. 84. I mean, made it to the bar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a pretty low number. And two reasons. This is barrel strength. So <clears throat> sometimes we've got, currently we've got seven single barrels, eight, if you include the one that's resting uh, in our in the front of the sugar house, but we've got eight single barrels that we have specifically selected as a group and ordered. So typically, uh, or most often, they will proof them down so we could get anywhere from 180 to 220 bottles, um, occasionally upwards of 240. <clears throat> but in this instance, it's barrel proof, so this is coming at like 126 proof, and it also just happened to be a light barrel, which she let us know when we were down there choosing it um, because of evaporation some other reasons but um it, it definitely has a concentration of flavor it's though, definitely concentrated attributed i think to the evaporation and 126 is pretty pretty high it's for, on the upper them, scale of very four roses i mean yeah. you could get like 106 116 is a good range for them so one 126 is the, the cream dream. we tastefully called it the cream dream the cream we dream. passed up the bananas <laughs> foster bananas foster we call this the cream dream because i find it creamy and dreamy he identifies with that. I identify with that. <laughs> when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, oh, my God, that was the best dream. There it is. Wow. Oh. It was a cream dream. <laughs> so. So glad to be uh, drinking this right now. Thank you so much for that. You know what? Will you drink my cream no, dream? No, thank you so much. I think I've had enough. <laughs> but have you? 
<laughs> anyway, so, so what had happened was uh, Sarah, <clears throat> Joe. Um, all right, so Sarah, most people probably know you best from Republic. Um, you started there about what a year and a half, two years. Come on, give two me years the ago. Benefit of the doubt here. Um, and when you started, it was under a lot of hoopla. Yeah. Um, so initially, for those that don't remember, Kate Williams was the opening chef at Republic, and she let. She was there, what, two, two weeks? months? Two months? Two months. Two months after open. God, that's fucking crazy. Um, so uh, she quit, um, and there was a uh, food media bonanza that occurred upon that news, um, and then your subsequent taking over the helm there. Um, why do you think the media circus happened? Um, I think that like, well, first of all, I'll say I think food media has grown a lot because there's just a lot more content now um, with new restaurants opening. There's more to write on. Right. I feel like there was a period when at least when I first got to Detroit where it was they were being asked to write stories when there wasn't that much content available. And so things that are non stories become stories. And then also like. That's a global problem. Too. Yeah, exactly. Right. So like <laughs> and also Kate is a charismatic and and motivating force right so like when she is motivated enough to leave the brainchild that she's been working on for upwards of a year and a half right like that there were a lot of questions and i think that um questions beget questions right there were no answers available and so it, to a certain extent like the lack of response from kate and also from the ownership the cloudiness um yielded more stories and so there was no finite point of question and answer there was just question followed by question followed by question and so it like kind of tailspinned into just like chatter right which got no one anywhere so how did that affect your first few months there like as the executive <clears throat> the stories no I, I mean like just having all these questions abound like did it affect your ability to cook and do what oh. you, you, like the menus and no stuff? not no. at all i think um Kate's departure was really unfortunate for those of us that had like placed our careers and our vision like in her hands. But um, when she departed, we unified. I mean, we didn't have any turnover after her departure. Um, it's not it's not because, you know, that wasn't tumultuous enough to lose staff. It was because the staff unified. Um, we had, I, and when I say we had no turnover, we had no back of house turnover. I can't speak to the front of house. I don't really recall. Um, I, I'm sure there was some. Um, but, you know, we just kind of hunkered down and focused on food. I believe in collaborative kitchens. I tried to encourage one after the fact. I knew that I was going in as an executive chef with absolutely no experience as an executive chef. And so I kind of relied on the team more than I think most executive chefs would. And what that yielded me was incredible trust and faith from the people that stayed by me, I guess. Did, that makes any sense. Did you go in with the uh, notion that you were the leader from then on, or what, did you have a thought in your head that they were going to be searching for somebody else? Um, I I technically interviewed for the position, but I interviewed for the position kind of like against my will, I guess. Um, they were interviewing people from all over Detroit. I had no intention of taking the position. Um, and then my staff actually wrote letters to the ownership, um, basically kind of like vying me as a candidate. And so the owners requested an interview and I took it. Gotcha. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, like the team there, I think, is the biggest part that I lament leaving behind. You know, um, I didn't have much say in it, but it's definitely what I will miss the most and what I hope to recreate in the future. So, uh, I mean, leaving behind sounds like you left, but you didn't leave. You no, they, I got they, shit canned. Yeah. Um, but so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I got let go. Uh, I basically forced an ultimatum from them. 
kind of choosing between the general manager and myself, um, which was an ultimatum that I gave them kind of like a year in that they kind of took a year to take me up on. Um, but I did not stop asking questions about um, things that I felt to be pressing issues involving both front of house and financial management. And I find that people that have answers to questions don't mind them and people without answers to questions get frustrated by questions. So, I mean, that's kind of. So I'm curious back to Joe's original thought, like, because that also got hoopla too. And like, there's chefs that leave tons of restaurants, right? So is it, uh, is it because you two are gals? And that's why? They I got hadn't even hoopla? thought of it like that. Um, I hope not. Um, I hope not too, but I mean, that's, you know, it's, I don't, I don't, from do you my, feel like that's what was, yeah, what the no, conclusion? No, I, I don't think so. I think, I think Republic is, you know, one of the more significant restaurants in the city and the, they, you know, they turned over one chef early and now they're second chef and that's like, it was sort of like, you know, Brighton Company, Selden, Republic, Townhouse. Um, Chartreuse. Chartreuse, yeah. of course. I mean, there's a core group of a few restaurants that opened around the same time that are, I'm not saying doing the same thing, but have a similar vibe. And, and we were all kind of born at the same little time. And I think that that's, you know, to turn over two executives in that period of time is significant and notable. I don't I don't necessarily think it's got anything to do so, with the fact that they have boobs. I but, think it also applies to the fact, uh, boobs aside, um, that <clears throat> boobs tend to hire boobs, right? So like if typically females flock to kitchens where there are females because there's a dichotomy created there where we're more comfortable and it's not because we can't handle the stress of a male-run kitchen, but it's because we get respect that um, – other male chefs get in a similar environment when it's male to male run. So I think that uh, to say that like the predecessor was also female is probably the only connection you could draw and that the predecessor also left, right? Like uh, it, that is situational, right? But like the fact that women work for women, I think is probably the only connection. That's an there. interesting, not, not now, but that's an interesting dichotomy that I would love to examine of the idea of the, the female run kitchen and, uh, how many more women work in that kind of kitchen? Yeah, I mean, like that's I a can, really cool. It's thing it's to look awesome. At. And in fact, like after I left Republic, I did a pop up with Gatoy um, at Grey Ghost, and it was an all meal kitchen, and I was expediting the service, and it was incredible how difficult communication was. Um, not because I'm a female and they're men, but because they've never worked with a female expo before. <laughs> so it was just like incredible because all my line cooks except for one is a female because mm, you're very indecisive <laughs> really emotional i talked a lot about my feelings is that, is that what it was i, you're like, I really a lot feel about my like <laughs> somebody needs to get this to I, I is the up, job of expediter that don't you like, love cats <laughs> you know. let's talk about cats i, I bring up the uh, i bring up the comparison and joe might remember this but uh, uh i don't know how many years ago it was that small plates opened up downtown Remember that we went to the opening. There was a huge, huge, yeah, like, yeah. like five years. Ago. That shows your Wait, age, no, guys. Four, five. No, no, I worked at Small Plates before I opened. Chicken. So, was, oh no, oh no, the uh, they relaunched the, oh, yeah. the relaunch. So at the relaunch, they the had compromised this, second incarnation. They had this huge, uh, huge uh, Small Plates opening, duh. right? Remember that they had this huge opening, big <laughs> yeah. media kind of. thing. It was so huge, nobody remembers it. But they <laughs> they <laughs> fired the executive chef the night of the opening, oh. and like something like that didn't get any press whatsoever. Not that a single. Yeah, I mean now though that our our media like again it's 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 yeah. the whole thing now our restaurant scene is getting bigger and more and more people are like restaurant bloggers and restaurant critics and all these things and now everybody's so just it's so hot right now and everybody's just fighting over things to talk about and 
like creating original content is something as operators we talk about constantly. But, you know, for people that are reporting on this to cr- try and find or create original content as well is uh is is just as hard you know and i think like it's it is of interest and both like in kate's termination and mine like kate was real like people were betting on her to win right like in the beginning they were betting on republic success because she was a motivating force behind that like in the two years that i was at republic we got best new restaurant and best new chef so like the fact that i got fired like with a article that came out a week before stating how much of a badass i was that you know from you know a local publication i think people were just like what the you can say it. What the it. fuck, right? Like they were like, this makes no sense, right? And yeah. they felt that way when Kate got terminated, except when I got, or when Kate left, sorry, when I got terminated, they were, people got emotional about it. Like, and it had less to do with me and more to do with like non-restaurant operators operating restaurant in the city of Detroit and neglecting Detroiters, right? Like, because in taking me away from a restaurant where I had built kind of like a following and built a framework, you know, for Republican also built a steady and stable employ like employment for people like they were kind of like shitting on all of that does that make sense like mm-hmm. because i'm gonna find another job that's fine but like the people that are still at republic like they're going through a lot right now there's a lot of tumult there and uh it wasn't caused because i was not making numbers or because i was not doing my job it was a personal difference between the owners and right. myself right well we're hiring so <laughs> <laughs> and, and tempting let, let's talk about the kind of like uh, you could have the cream dream. God, I wanted it every day, <laughs> every but I was day. scared to ask. Yeah. Um, the 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 uh, badassery that you uh, kind of glossed over there. Um, you, you do a lot of uh, whole animal butchery, yes. Yes. And um, I, I recall a couple weeks ago, you guys did a lot butchered a llama, right? Alpaca. Alpaca. Sorry. Gosh. Damn it. <laughs> Sorry. Get it right. Alpaca. Um, so what what was that like? And uh, and so first of all, start with why whole animal butchery, and then go into the whole alpaca. Sure, yeah, no problem. Um, I worked for Brian Polson. Like that's what I actually uh, started in New York City, working for April Bloomfield for free. She ran me around her kitchen for a while. Um, and, then and who was who was that? So she's so, a Michelin star chef out of New York. She's okay. a female chef. She's a fucking powerhouse. Um, she's open. Bad, badass. Yeah, she's a badass chick. Badass. Um, <laughs> she has gone on to open for other restaurants. So, I mean, she is well-known. She's probably like the most, maybe next to Stephanie Azard, probably the most recognized American female chef. Maybe, maybe. Okay. Don't, uh, you know, that is actually like operating right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, hmm. in, my, in my knowledge. Um, that's, so, that's true. I left and came to Detroit to work for Brian Polson and David Gilbert, who now operates Murray. Bunch of hacks. Total noobs. Um, and I worked my way up to sous chef there and just learned from... Uh, there being Forest Grill? Yeah, Forest okay. Grill in its original kind of interpretation. And Brian, and Brian Polson literally wrote the book on charcuterie. Literally. <laughs> like, like The book's called Charcuterie. Him by Brian By Brian Michael, Polson. And Michael Roman, yep. yep. And Michael Roman, shout yep. out. Yep. Um, so yeah, I obviously learned whole animal butchery from him and didn't see it as like a trend or something that I could do to be cool. I saw it as like a really awesome way to make a lot of money off very little, um, which is how he pushes it to his students at Schoolcraft too. I mean, it's not. And at Pigstack. And at Pigstack. It's all all about profits. Yeah. It's like, it's it's all about bottom line. It's not about emotion. It's not about, uh, kind of helping out farmers. I mean, which is all, those are all byproducts of an awesome business model. So when we did Republic Kate and I knew that we wanted to do whole animal butchery and, um, they sent us up to Pigstock, the ownership did, um, and Kate wasn't able to make it. So I was kind of just like there on my own learning about animals and so, got into it. So Pigstock is an event that, um, has gone on for the last four or five years, uh, in Traverse city. 
where um, chefs congregate and kind of uh, butcher Mangalitsa or other heritage breeds of pig and drink. over the course and drink and and eat, and eat very well over the course of a few days. Yeah. Uh, and so, so, I mean, that kind of plays into what happened at Republic. You know, we wanted to operate really lean. We had to operate really lean. And so that was a way that we could do it while also kind of fitting in with trends that were happening. And I was pretty comfortable with butchery from working with Brian Polson. And so uh, it was not hard. I mean, it was not hard to transition into that role, kind of like as butcher slash sous chef for Kate. And then when Kate departed, kind of as like a mentor to the people there doing whole animal butchery. And, you know, once you learn to butcher one thing, you kind of have a framework for butchering everything else. So alpaca is kind of like a rabbit. You just <laughs> you just follow the seam lines and it becomes pretty easy. So, But why alpaca and what like how did that come to be? Oh, uh, they called us <laughs> and they had this alpaca name masquerade that and was picking on all the girls had to die. And <laughs> it was his time to go. Mas- Dang. <laughs> so the farmer was like, we have this really mean alpaca and I'm not joking. And she was like, we got to get rid of him. Do you guys want him? And we were like, no, but maybe yes. And so like we hung up <laughs> like, the phone. Do you mean like hang out in the yeah. restaurant? <laughs> <laughs> we're not really taking pets right now. Um, and so they... Had to get rid of him, and they were just going to kill him and turn him into dog food um, because, you know, not many people. They called a bunch of restaurants, mm. um, local restaurants, and everybody said no. And so once we heard that, we were like, well, let's try it. So we brought it in, and Matt, my sous chef at the time, and Chris, my other sous chef, um, kind of tackled breaking it down, and we learned a lot. And then, um, yeah, they we ended up kind of just keeping in contact with these farms. They were really happy that— we were able to utilize it, you know, because they raise the animals from from when they're born. I mean, it's it was named. <laughs> it does look, does look like a llama. Greg. It does, yeah, a lot like a llama. Greg the llama, 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 llama to the Easter untrained eye, they see <laughs> to the untrained eye. They were see you guys eye. doing uh, in house curing and trickery? Off the record, yes. Off the record, we were, obviously. Um, off the record. Don't worry, totally we can read back this podcast. None of you, none of you, fifty people listening. One point five million. One point five million people. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So how? So you yeah. you you didn't even fuck with the city on that because it's we fucks with I the city, but they um and I had HACCP plans because obviously I actually went to Brian when we opened and was like, hey, help me write HACCP plans, and he was like, I'll help you do it, but you're not gonna use them because the city doesn't understand them, right? Um, and so I have them. I had them for Republic, and um, during health inspections, it was just easier to like, you know not bring it up and have the health inspectors that didn't understand kimchi like yeah. delve into whole muscle charcuterie than it was to kind of like educate them and i think brian's making chef polson sorry uh is making headway there yeah. and i'm kind of like counting on him to kind of blaze the trail and then once it's standard up you know like it is in chicago to do charcuterie where hassups are like a common practice then yeah yeah i'm ready to go but i'm not going to be the one blazing that trail i got an email from the health department that was this uh are you a chef or restaurant operator that's currently using techniques that require a variance? Yeah. And it's this, these seminars that um, the health department is trying to get us all to go to. Where and they teach so, us shit we already know. I'm sure. But it sounds like what is of bigger concern to me is that they now have an idea that like, oh, you're making that in-house, which is scary. Yeah. I think that like um, the problem with the health department in the city of Detroit is that they're relying on us to educate them. Right. As opposed to vice versa. Right. And so like 
until they take it upon themselves to be the most educated person in the room. Like, don't come into my restaurant and tell me something that I have pH balances for is not safe. Listen, that's I'm (laughs) with you. I had a health department inspector come in and say, I told you you could serve sushi, not raw fish. I mean, verbatim. Yeah. Um, I'm worried that now they're sort of getting hip to this idea of, uh, of curing and infusing and fermenting and pickling. And they're going to be like, we know what that is now. And now, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they we're going to take, we're going to take those classes just, but, just to like, yeah, you have to, they went like into certified. Trina Sof and told her, Allison is my best friend. She operates a kitchen at Trina Sof. They told her she needed SOPs for her refrigerated pickles. Are yeah. you shitting me? Yeah. Like, it's just a clear lack of understanding in it. And it transpires into fear. Yeah. Kind of like what happened at Republic. where like, when you don't have answers to questions, questions are scary. And so they don't have answers to like, how do they make it charcuterie in house? And so instead of responding with information, right, they respond with fear right. and action based in fear. So, I mean. Sure. But, <laughs> but how is this? I mean. Perfect y- example. <laughs> you, writing a HACCP plan takes hours, yeah. days, weeks. I mean, depending on how complicated it is, how, how is it okay for them to just say, eh, we don't really know about that. We're just going to like shrug it off and say like, that scares us. Like that's well, they, not, no, they do, they're, they're ignorant to the existence of it. So they're, you know, they don't know that we do charcuterie in house, so they don't ask for a HACCP. But if they did know that we did charcuterie in house and they asked for a HACCP, they wouldn't know how to read a HACCP. It's like, you know, so this is what happened with food it's trucks. A so food trucks in the beginning uh, were outlawed. There was only like one food truck that was allowed. And then all the other, other food trucks were outlawed because no one knew how to regulate food trucks. Yeah. And then once there was a push to have more food trucks in the city, they started getting regulated. They started learning how to regulate it. And I'll tell you what, you know, if you look at some of the restaurants, uh, I don't even know why folks, you know, I, I mean, obviously we have to have generalized inspections, but there's so many restaurants out there that you can go to and you can be like, oh, you see, you're keeping all the cold food on the ground, you know, in the dry storage. Uh, and, you, you know, and, and you're putting all your paperwork in the freezer. Like, this is like wrong, right? People do shit like that. They, you know, they have dust covered over stuff and they're not using, uh, you know, gloves or anything. I mean, it's just, some of these places are ridiculously horrible and they're in the neighborhoods and people just don't care about it. So, Bigger fish to fry. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think that's like. It's probably in those you buy, we fry places. Yeah. Too. And they're, they're relieved to know that we, yeah. We oh, yeah. We just, oh, this is fresh. Yeah. It was, it was fresh uh, three days ago. And if they're not going to push the subject, we're not either. It's not like, it's not like smoke and mirrors, right? It's not like they're coming in and like seeing things and asking yeah. questions and I'm lying to them. It's just like we, out of sight, out of mind, like. We have faith and we document what we do. We're well educated. I mean, I'm literally educated by the guy that wrote the book on charcuterie. So it's like, I know we're doing it the way it should be done. It's time tested that we haven't gotten anybody killed yet so far. So, you know. And there were, there were cuts. There, anyway. cut, there were cuts in the uh, system too. I mean, just the backstory of some of this. There were cuts it's in privately the system. Operated. Yeah. And then they got all rehired back. Some got rehired back by the. Here's uh, this will blow your mind. The health department also runs animal control. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, my God. Privately run. Whoa. They run both the health department and animal control. That's why they sell all that cheap meat Ex- to us. Exactly. God damn it. I mean, there's a clear conflict well, of interest of, Well, here. animal control is really run by the police department. Yeah. Well, the actually, they're privately run now, right? Well. City of Detroit. Well, yeah, but they're. They're the same department. They're police department, too. So they're. Uh, well, that's a whole nother. So yeah. we talked to you for the cheap meats. <laughs> no, I actually, we have Also, do you want to see my hassle? <laughs> no, we have nothing to do with We call this steak pit bull. <laughs> we have nothing to do with health inspections. I wish we did because there's so many party stores out there that have expired meats, expired foods, and 
I I am religious about dating in my house. Like you go in my house, there's a green piece of tape off of everything, perishable, non-perishable. It's dated. I rotate it into my cupboards. Uh, you know, it's it's ridiculous. But you go to some of these party stores that you know that are really the grocery stores for the neighborhoods, and some of that stuff is just horrible. And just that could be a whole nother show. <laughs> Expose I get horrible. I get, I get horrible soaps. party stores. So so gas stations, party stores. I get it. Dude. Yeah, I shop at all of them. So, <laughs> So Sarah, what's uh what's happening? What's what's happening now? Like where where are you at? What are you doing? What does the future hold? What does the, the future, future hold? hold? Um I was lucky enough that my um my ship canning uh yielded some positive repercussions. Um I Because of the media? I get yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. Um so people Mark was my secretary for like a week and people like reached out to him and got my number and kind of contacted me and um, I fielded some really awesome offers and some really weird offers mm-hmm. since then. Uh, like Craigslist weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some, some real weird ones, but interesting. Yeah. That could be a show. Um, <laughs> weird Craigslist <laughs> chef just, offers yeah, just come like, to my house and cook and yeah, they're in the gig section. It's like, <laughs> why are you here? Um, no, but yeah, opportunities have abounded. I'm lucky. I'm grateful. Um, and I'm just kind of like fielding those offers and trying not to miss any meetings and, um, be respectful of every opportunity that heads my way. You know, you never know what comes out of a no. It could be a yes 10 years from now. So yeah. And you're also doing pop-ups, right? I'm trying to. Yeah. I'm, uh, uh, tentatively going to be the resident chef at Revolver, um, which, which could be cool. Um, I've been kind of helping serve there for the past couple of weeks, just trying to pay rent. So resident, uh, so they're changing their, like no, no, just like I'm hanging out there and helping out with front of house, like housing the, oh, like, oh, like managing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Got it. Um, yeah. So Peter is still running revolver, but he's also at frame. frame yeah. So yeah, that okay. they're happening. Actually, revolver shutting down for two weeks while they operate. Frame Frame is not technically open. Okay. Um, they're kind of doing like a Katoy charity thing. So right. I guess Frame is open for two months, but they're not seeing the revenue from that. That's going straight to Katoy sure. as a benefit. Sure. So it's more like a charity pop up that cool. is super long. Yeah. Um, but Frame's technical open date is two months from last week. So they'll be opening like as Frame's final interpretation. Um, there. But until right. then, they're kind of like a toy charity pop up. And then you are uh, you're popping up in Traverse City, yeah, uh, April seventeenth at Cook's House. With yep, Jen Cam, and Eric. Cam and I are doing that. Cam is the CDC slash kind of like sous chef at Katoy, my boyfriend. Um, we're popping up at uh, Cook's House and doing an all seafood uh, menu, just because like we both haven't messed around with seafood in so long because seafood's not local. Um, so we're going to be doing like lobster and last time uh, Dave messed around with seafood, he caught something. (laughs) Hepatitis. Uh, (laughs) If Nick was was here, I would have done that too soon. Uh, Uh, so yeah, there you go. And then where else are you? Uh, um, 24th, we're doing Saver Detroit, me and Nikita and, um, doing outstanding in the field this year, which is sold out, uh, food field, Noah's, uh, farm in, uh, kind of like North Detroit. Cool. That'd yeah. be cool. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm going to crash that. Do it. We need help. Fuck it. Just show up drunk as shit. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> well, thanks, Sarah, for being with us tonight. Yeah, no uh, thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and follow us at Herd Podcast on Instagram. Until next time, dine well, friends. Mm-hmm.